Tuesday edition here. Welcome aboard the Kilcoin Conversation, nightly conversation with folks you want to hear from. That's the goal on a daily basis, and this one will qualify. Joe Buck is our guest. Had him on the show back in April. I think the first week we were doing the radio version of the Kilcoin Conversation. Joe was on the show for a good 30, 40 minutes. He's back after wrapping up another year of Monday Night Football on ESPN. And I think every time we talk to Joe, we end up talking about trends in the industry that are unrelated like to calling a game but now it's more about just doing interviews and people playing the gotcha game and they do it all the time and we're lucky that joe continues to come on and do interviews because he doesn't need to and i think you'll enjoy the the topics we get into there he had a podcast for a while and he said but i couldn't really be myself when you're working for a giant company whether it's fox or espn you can't quite tell that joke. You might have been thinking you can't cross the line too often. Uh, those are among the topics we get into with Joe. Also, his take on Tom Brady, who, if you recall, at the end of Joe's run with Fox, Troy Aikman leaves. Troy's going to Monday Night Football. Fox says to Joe, hey, you got to stick around. You know, you're going to keep doing the games with us, right, even though Troy left. And he said, well, I don't know. Who am I doing the games with? And at one point they said, what do you think about Tom Brady? And I think he was like, really? That's You're making stuff up now? <laughs> I mean, I'm paraphrasing. But it didn't happen with Joe. He leaves. And then all of a sudden, Fox says, we're hiring Tom Brady. And many people are wondering. Our buddy Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, who just switched to the Athletic, covers sports media, has something called the Brady Meter. And he, whether or not it's actually going to happen. And through some friends of mine that are in the media business said, tell Andrew, it's 100%. It's not 81 or 82%. Brady's going to do this. And I texted Andrew Marchand. I said, you got to bump that number up. According to my sources, get it to 99%. And he said, yes, but if he backs out, it's going to be at the last minute. So even though you're here and now, it's happening. He could still change his mind. So the Tom Brady phenomenon, what's that going to be like? Will he be any good? I think that's something a lot of folks are wondering. Uh, so we'll talk broadcasting. I don't even remember what else. Just when it's Joe, we go in a lot of different directions and always have fun with it. A couple of different headlines on this Tuesday. And we keep having these unofficial official events related to St. Louis teams. The fact that St. Louis will host the UFL championship the Battlehawks are in the UFL. That's not officially been announced, but it's widely known. That'll be this June at the Dome at America Center. And then on Tuesday, the word came out of Chicago because it's the Blackhawks hosting, but the Blues are going to be in the Winter Classic again next year at Wrigley Field. How cool is that? St. Louis and Chicago meeting at Wrigley Field, but Blues and Blackhawks. So that would be in January of 2025. Blues have not announced it. The league has not announced it. But the Chicago Sun-Times reported it, and everybody I've talked to is like, yeah, it's true, but just we're waiting for the official word. So now back-to-back days, notable events for our St. Louis area or St. Louis area teams that we can't quite officially say. Much like the turf at the Dome, all I tweeted on Monday was that they are going to replace that football field, the turf. Looked terrible during the Mizzou game. People have talked about it for a while. And I said they are replacing it this summer, but it's going to be after the Battlehawks season. 
and people are going bonkers. I'm like, hey, the good news is they're at least spending the money. They are going to replace it. I think it's been in the works for a while, and there's certain times of the year where you can't do it because there's, I guess, the Monster Truck Show, I guess, Beyonce, I don't know. But anyway, they are getting new turf. It's just not going to be in time for this year's UFL. Oh, another announcement that came out, and this one – this one caught me off guard. Worldwide Technology Raceway, which hosts NASCAR every summer. This will be our third year, I guess, of having NASCAR in town. And they have a music festival tied in with it. Ludacris is one of the headliners this year. How about that? I didn't see that coming. Ludacris will be playing WWT Raceway. There's a country star as well. I should probably have the release in front of me. So this is what happens when there are no games going on for a couple of days. Wainwright, is he singing? Oh, Adam Wainwright will be singing. Is that the country star that I missed out on, Brendan? Or is there somebody else? I missed that. I just saw Ludacris and wrote down, what? Ludic- okay, sounds fun. Uh, this is what happens when there are no games being played for a couple of days. We'll have Billikins and Mizzou on Wednesday, whether we like it or not. Uh, and then by the weekend, you start getting the blues back, Saturday, Sunday. So we'll have plenty to talk about as the week rolls on. And when City SC returns, we're two weeks away, exactly, from their first home game. That CONCACAF game is on February 20th. That means the pitch will be hopping even more. It's always hopping. Great spot. West side of Union Station, but it's really the spot. When you're hanging out downtown, going to City Park, checking out City SC, the pitch, Tavern and Athletic Club is right across the street. Awesome spot to watch the game or pregame or postgame or if they're out of town, watch the game. You like the Bundesliga, Champions League. It's become a premier soccer hangout in St. Louis. The pitch on the west side of Union Station. Walk out the front door, you will see City Park. It is just steps away. Awesome new creation from Bob and Steve O'Loughlin. Rolled it out last year just in time for the inaugural season of City SC, and it's just such a cool spot. If you haven't been, stop by and see him for lunch or happy hour, going to a blues game. It's right down the street, right there at Union Station. You just can't miss it. You can always find out more online at thepitch-stl.com. He needs no introduction, Joe Buck, with us. Uh, I will start with a new addendum, though. I heard last week you went into the St. Louis Media Hall of Fame and a friend of mine was there and said Joe was really emotional about it, touched by the award. So congrats on that, and uh, I hear it was a fun night. It was a great night, um, and I, I was touched by it. Um, I think the main reason why I was emotional, uh, well, there are two reasons. One, I was up the previous night before with my son Wyatt, who was dealing with awful asthma, and I got no sleep. And then, two, uh, going into that Hall of Fame with somebody like Fred Bottomer, who I've known my entire life, has been at KMOX for over 40 years. Um, Carol Daniel was the MC. I sat next to Frank Viverito. I, it, it was a lot of Jack Buck feelings for me and being around a lot of people that uh, I respected, grew up around, um, Kevin McCarthy, Longtime uh, radio guy in St. Louis and voiceover guy. There were there were a lot of familiar faces that I hadn't seen in a long time, 
And so going into that Hall of Fame in front of all those people uh, just made it that much more special for me. Was everybody always nice to you? I mean, you were Jack's son, but I wonder, was anybody ever like, oh, this guy, he's got the silver spoon? I, how, I, uh, not naming names, but on the whole, were people kind of like supportive even when you were young? I can, I can honestly think of two people that were not. Um, and I think it had more to do with their, well, it had everything to do with their relationship with my dad, or uh, in one case. And then in the other, I think it was more the silver spoon thing. And, and I get it. I mean, I, I completely get it. Back then, I didn't. Uh, and, and even when I was 18, 19, 21 years old, when I got hired by the Cardinals and reading the Dan Caesar articles about how it was insulting that I was hired with all the people working so hard in the minor leagues, you know, he was right in many ways. And, and, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't see the bigger picture or understand how human nature works that, you know, there are a lot of people working hard. They don't have the last name. They don't have the head start. They don't have the entree. They don't have the pressure which I think a lot of people assumed my dad put on Anheuser-Busch, who did the hiring at that time, to hire me. And, and, and I was naive. I, I hadn't grown up at that point. So I think as time went on, I understood it better. And I, I, I hold none of that uh, as, as any you know, big thing in my life. And, and I, I, I kind of just write it off and understand that not everybody's going to dig you and you know, that's that's the way life works. Hard to believe two years in the books, Monday Night Football, ESPN, and some playoff games as well. Had a chance to digest it. Do you go, like, at the end of the year, do you kind of, like, not that you're going to sit down and grade yourself, but do you kind of review the season that was? No, I always grade myself. Um, and, and I'm always comparing myself to the other people who do what I do, whether it's Kevin Burkhardt who replaced me at Fox or it's Jim Nance at CBS or it's Al Michaels at Amazon or it's Mike Tirico at NBC. I, I think, you know, we all probably listen, watch each other. Um, I, it makes me better. It makes me work harder because I know how good those other guys are and how much time they put into it. Uh, and, and it makes me, you know, it makes me get back on the treadmill and get to work. And, and I like that. So, and then you come out of a season and, and if I'm not evaluating my game after every game, there's something wrong. And I think, yeah, I think we all felt really good about this past season at ESPN. Uh, the ratings were through the roof. There, there's a couple reasons why. It certainly has zero to do with Troy and me. I think it has to do more with simulcasting and having those games on ABC as much as on ESPN. That's going to inflate the rating. And then you know, I, I think our schedule was better. And maybe that does have a little bit of something to do with ESPN, you know, investing in Troy and me and, and the league recognizing that. And then that leads to a better schedule. And better schedule means better games. And better games or higher profile games means higher ratings, which in turn, you know, they, they get return on investment at ESPN. So I, I think that's why we were brought. I know that's why we were brought there, and and to know that ESPN is as happy as as it or they are, it makes everything great in my world. When do you do a Super Bowl? Are we two years? Aren't they doing like back to back or two out of three? Don't they have a, a handful? Fox, 
Fox, yeah. So I, I left last year. They did the Super Bowl that year. CBS this year. Fox again next year. Then NBC and then us. So we, oh, okay. we are three years away. So by that time, it will have been quite a while since we will have last done a Super Bowl. Um, but that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm good with calling it every once in a while. It, it comes with a lot of pressure. It's a lot of fun. But it comes with a lot of pressure and uh, a lot of traps, and a, you know it's it's an undertaking for everybody. And when you know that you're talking into a microphone and a hundred million people are on the other end of it, uh, it, it can get a little bit intimidating. So I, I'm good with spacing these out. Do you go to Vegas to kind of partake? Do you have any appearances or things this week? Uh, no, I do okay. not. Uh, I Troy does, and I think it makes more sense, you know, for somebody. Like Troy, uh, who's you know as much a broadcaster, but really an ex-player and a guy who's played in Super Bowls, and he can do the chalk talks, and he can do appearances, and he can you know make side money or whatever it is. For me, I, I mean, I could force some of that stuff, but I'd just rather watch the game on television, uh, be with family, be with friends, relax, enjoy it. It's I, I think Las Vegas is going to be crazy. Uh, in every sense of the word, great, uh, tough to navigate, uh, and and I would rather just not be involved. Ours is in L.A. in three years, which is so big and so spread out. It'll kind of like the when when we did the uh, the Super Bowl in New York, and and the city's so big and so spread out that you didn't even know the Super Bowl was really there. Uh, and and I think L.A. With with the size of it, will kind of be the same thing. Yeah, I'm wondering about Vegas. We had Tyler Fulgham is a young guy. He's from St. Louis. He's on ESPN. He does the gambling show, ESPN Bet. And he was on last week, and he said, it's getting a little crowded. He said, he goes, they keep putting everything right downtown, including the Sphere. Didn't you go to the Sphere? Have you been into that? I did. I went. Uh, I didn't go the opening night, but I went pretty close, pretty soon thereafter. Um, and and loved it. I mean, it's amazing. It's it's different than any concert experience I've ever I've ever had. Uh, it's it's cool, and there's just nothing like it. You can't. You can all. I mean, U two was playing, and they're there. And I'm a big U two fan, uh, and I've seen them live maybe three or four times. And the wall, what's going on on the wall with the visuals is so intense that you almost forget that U2's down there playing. It's like they could play anything, or they could have a cover band, or they could have a DJ, and if they did the same show on the wall of the sphere, I don't know that you would notice a huge difference. Um, it, it's more of a visual thing than it is really, you know, for some intense audiophile. I, I don't know that, that they would enjoy it as much as somebody that just is willing to kind of take in the whole experience if you're if you're only there for the band i th- i think you're you're gonna leave you know not really feeling like you got much of them it's it's more what your eyes take in well i don't want my kids to feel ripped off but when they bring it up i said we'll go to the omnimax at the science center it's fine okay there's a it's way better <laughs> it's way better yeah the big like a film on mammals Right. Yeah. Look at that locomotive go across the ceiling. It's like we're oh, right there. That's unbelievable. There's a bear on my head. <laughs> I I, uh, I I loved it. I I don't know that I would race back there. 
and I can't believe U2 is still going. Um, but they are. I know they have big breaks in between different shows and different blocks of shows. But I think Fish or the Dead Dead and Company are going there next, which I think will be a, an even more intense visual thing that they can create. Oh my God, that'll be like a acid trip. It'll be a literal oh acid. That would. I actually, I actually think that might be too much. I'm trying to think of the Deadheads and all these weird kaleidoscope visuals on the ceiling yeah people are gonna freaking pass out just from the visual. i agree i agree i'm I mean, concerned I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about people's well-being you should be i think you should stand outside <laughs> with a sandwich board and saying that you're concerned and if anybody needs help to, uh, to call you it's a public to. service announcement i just thought of this because we're talking music you were there when the cardinals announced bush stadium's going to host billy joel and sting what is the the sting story he knew you or you didn't something happen where you guys were backstage and he made a football comment or he knew? Yeah, I, I became friends with Chris Bodie, who played uh, trumpet in okay. his band during one of the iterations of his solo career. And then Chris kind of broke off and, and did his own stuff. But at one point, there was a, a show in Miami uh, that I went to and I was there with Chris, in essence, Chris opened for Sting, Chris's band, and then afterward we got drinks sitting in the lobby of the Ritz down in Miami, and I was seated next to Sting, and I'm a huge police fan, I'm a huge Sting fan, and normally, it doesn't matter who's sitting next to me or who I walk up to, I've usually got something that I can talk to them about, and I was just starstruck and completely lost, you know, I didn't want to be the fan guy. But I, so I had nothing in common with him. And Chris said at some point, hey, you know, Sting, that's, uh, that's my friend Joe. He broadcasts football and baseball for a living. And, and Sting, and I'm not going to try to do his accent, said, uh, I, I did the halftime one time at the Super Bowl. They gave us these great seats. Everybody was really jealous. We were right at midfield or mid-pitch, I think he said. And he said about halfway through, I turned to somebody uh, who was not with our band, and I said, why are they wearing crash helmets? <laughs> and I, I, at that point, if I thought that I had nothing to talk to him about, I, I was certain that I had nothing to talk to him about. Uh, and, and I just kind of sat there looking at him, probably weirdly to the point where he, he probably wanted to get away from me. See, I'm, I'm the worst because I would have gone all in on something. Ra- I would have been, hey, Synchronicity was a great album, but why did you guys put that song Mother on there? Was that just to accommodate Andy Summers? Because it's a really it bad... It had to be. Like, it's <laughs> awful. The song's terrible. <laughs> it had to be like they all knew it, like that they were, they were maybe like in on the joke. All right, I want to ask you about something you said recently. I think you were on... Uh, Barstool or one of their shows, and you were talking about podcasting. And it's funny because the headline says, Joe would do a show with Artie Lang. And I'm like, well, that's not quite what you said, but you're like, I'm open to whatever. But you had a podcast, Daddy Issues, a great show, you and your buddy Oliver Hudson, big-time guest. And you said you felt like part of it was you couldn't totally be yourself because you're still, and I can totally relate to this. Some of the jokes you and I might say via text or we're not going to say right now, and, right. and I'm curious about that because you're so well established, but yet you still, it's ESPN or it's Fox. Is that always kind of there where you can't quite make that joke or the comment you want? Yeah. I mean, I think that'll always be there. I don't want to act like in today's world you can get away with even less than in 
my dad's time, but I, I think there's certainly more of an element of that. And so I don't know if it ever swings back the other way. I, I got in trouble with a writer one time when I was promoting my book, and I intimated that my dad kind of got away with saying whatever crossed his mind. And, you know, some of the stuff wasn't technically politically correct. Uh, and the writer was like, well, do you think that's better? And I was like, no, I'm not saying that. It was like a writer with the Village Voice in New York. I was like, oh, my God, I just got myself in trouble with that. I, I'm, I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying it's different. And, and for whatever reason. Me being a sports announcer and a play-by-play guy, you know, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, when Oliver would talk about a lot of the stuff that he would talk about, whether it's his love of uh, weed or his sex life or whatever, I just, I couldn't jump down in there with him. I, I think that gets headlines, paints me in the wrong kind of light, even if I'm joking, when stuff is taken out of context. Like that, like Joe would do a show with Artie Lang, you know, like PMT commenter threw that in there. I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah, sure. And it was a nothing thing. Um, but when stuff gets taken out of context, you know, hold on and put on a crash helmet because you don't know where the thing's going to land and how long of a ride you're going to be on. So I, I try to just try to play it as straight as I can for the most part and hope that, that I stay above the fray on that kind of stuff. So Oliver had a lot more freedom. I made the joke that when I get fired, uh, my podcast will be a hell of a lot more interesting and entertaining than it would be uh, while I'm employed at a major network. Have you ever been fired? I'm trying to think here. I should know that. I feel like I should go back to the... HBO. They, they, they got rid of me after... Because of the Artie Lang, but was it just not they, renewed, or do they say this isn't working out, or are they? You know what? You know what the, the the crazy thing was during that whole experience was that the rating was actually up from what was in that spot prior to my arrival, and and I was going through all the Artie Lang stuff and people writing articles, and you know Joe got embarrassed by Artie Lang and. And the one positive that that could have been thrown out there by HBO uh, was not thrown out there because the comment I got back from their PR department is, we don't talk about ratings at HBO. And I was like, well, give me the information because I will. Uh, But I never really got into it. It felt like I was, I don't know, it felt like I was just pleading for some kind of positive attention. And and it's probably just better. To leave it alone but yeah after after four shows the excuse i got was at the show pacific that i think tom hanks and spielberg did uh had come in way over budget and so they were doing some sort of cutbacks this is what i was told which is probably completely false they were just trying to let me down easy that that they were trying to cut in different areas i was the last guy in so i was the first guy out but i at least ratings-wise, that was the only positive. I enjoyed it. enjoyed doing the show. I think each show got better. I got more comfortable. Uh, I'd be better at it now than I was back then. But, yeah, I, I think the rating story was the positive that I took out of it, at least personally, if I couldn't talk about it publicly at the time. 
what shows do you like going on? Do you enjoy now more of the podcast format where you can talk for 20, 30 minutes instead of like, you know, network nighttime show, you might get a five minute window or are, are you, do you enjoy making the rounds, so to speak? I like, yeah, I like longer formatted interviews. I, I think, you know, like, you know, you can, you can have more fun again. The hard thing for me, and I think people way bigger than me, is that if you want to go on and be funny, or you want to go on and be honest, or you want to be go, go on and be vulnerable, or whatever, it's those moments that will be lifted by producers of these shows that you go on, and then they sell them to, in essence, like Awful Announcing, or the New York Post, and then it, it has a link to the show, and then they get more listeners or link to the podcast, and maybe more people go on it. So it's like, what? why am I doing it if it has nothing to do really with me and I'm, I'm being used by some other show's producer, lifting something out of context and then, you know, sending it somewhere else so that they write a headline and it gets clicked. It, it, it's kind of a... It eats itself, and, and so it's like, well, what are the positives here? I go on, and I'm funny, or I try to be funny. I go on, and I try to be vulnerable or honest, and I get smashed uh, publicly for, for being open, and it benefits somebody else's show. So it's, it's a fine line to walk. Uh, I do it with friends, but I'm, I'm just kind of, for the most part, saying no more and more because I, I don't know that it's worth it right because you could say something then they blow it up and it comes back to haunt you i, I was just yeah. thinking of this you and i had the event at the mac with chip carry and we had great fun and then we ran it on radio but we did some editing and it, it's different when you're in the room and thankfully there's people now who kind of get the differences so at the jack buck awards in december they they allowed me to speak again which i told them was their fault and they said go ahead have some fun and i probably pushed it a little bit but you know i always say if 20% of the room didn't like it, that means 80 liked it. And I'm, I'm okay with that. So we're sitting around with your buddy Mike Caruso, a bunch of the Chapman and these blues guys. We're all downstairs after the event. And this woman comes over, I would say 75 to 80 is her age, somewhere in that range. She taps me on the shoulder, which feels formal or something. And I turned and she said, I heard your speech up there. And I thought, oh my God, it really wasn't a speech. It was kind of like a monologue. But, and then, and I, th and I just said, "Ma'am, I'm so sorry." And she said, "No, it was funny, but I didn't know you were like that." And I said, "Well, yeah, because we can't be most of the time. We can't be. I mean, something came out the other day of uh, Alex Trebek on Jeopardy. Uh, maybe it's an eight-year-old clip, nine-year-old clip, and it made the rounds." And the, the headline was Alex Trebek with a hilarious takedown of a contestant. And it was during the time, and I did five shows of Jeopardy as a host, and I, you know, that was always kind of the iffy time when you break from doing the game and you go and you learn about the different contestants' lives. And he gets to the last contestant, and she, he says, you know, it says here you're into such and such rally, nerdy rap. And the woman goes, well, yeah. Uh, he goes, explain that. So, well, she said, well, you know, we we rap about, you know, it's it's a nerd, nerdy kind of a group, and we rap about things that we like, like gaming and having a tough time finding a partner and 
because we're nerdy, and then there's a beat, and Alex says, oh, losers. And, and I thought, my God, how, how times have changed in eight or nine years. Like, if I said that to a contestant, I feel like maybe I'm wrong. But, but all the comments were, man, that was awesome. That was like a, but I feel like if you did it now, even that short a time later, I don't know that that I wouldn't have been like crushed for that. So like, can- I, it, like maybe canceled over being that mean to somebody potentially. Well, that, it, it it just came up, and I'm right. sure he wasn't being mean. I'm right. sure he wasn't. He was just going you know, for the joke. Talking. Going for the joke, and I think sometimes when you go for the joke, you know, some people don't get it. Some people don't want to get it. Some people are ready to be offended. As you said, the majority of people will laugh and and not think much of it after they hear it, after a little chuckle or whatever it is. But but there are enough people out there that if you say the wrong thing trying to be funny, it can be the end of your career. And you know, even even with the intent not being there to to insult or to shock somebody, you're just saying a joke that comes off the top of your head, and and people get mad. So again, it gets back to What's the positive? And, and there aren't many when it's not your show. We continue the conversation with Joe Buck right after this commercial break. Always love having Joe on the show. And I love telling you about AAA Home Services because just like Joe, based here in St. Louis, in fact, they might be the same age. AAA Home Services has been around let's say 54 years. That sort of matches up with Joe, I believe. How about that? Both. I've been taking good care of you for the last 54 years. And right now, if you're in the market for a new furnace, best rebates of the year, this is the time to get online, aaastl.com, aaastl.com. Get online, find out more about these awesome rebates, save a ton of money. If you've been putting it off, you know you need a new furnace, now is the time to at least look into it. Check them out, aaastl.com. Great deals right now. On American Standard Heating and Cooling Systems, AAA can take care of you, whether it's heating or cooling or plumbing, electrical, appliance repair. One call does it all. And when you call, they get out there quickly. If not that day, then the next day. Because when you call, it's usually a mini emergency. They get that. They understand that. They're going to get out there as soon as they can. AAA Home Services, all your home service needs, one spot, one website, aaastl.com, or call, set up the appointment, ask them over the phone about those rebates, tell them you want to find out more. It's 636-397-3200. Joe Buck, our guest from Monday Night Football on ESPN, just wrapped up year two. And earlier this week, we had Kevin Kugler on the show, who does a ton of stuff with college basketball, college baseball, and NFL on the radio. And this year, last couple of years, I think, NFL on Fox, we are talking about just the NFL growth, and it's just amazing to me. It just dominates in a way. It was always popular, but could it get any bigger? I mean, isn't it unbelievable? It just totally dominates all the sports conversation. It does. Um, I I guess it can get bigger. I I remember Troy 10 years ago saying this growth is, I mean, it's amazing, the numbers and the, and and not just the numbers, but comparing the numbers to everything else that's on television and and what is considered a, a hit show. And then there's the NFL, college football to some degree, 
But the NFL is in its own category. There's just nothing like it, and there's nothing close to it. So it's just the one thing that cuts through, and it feels like it keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. And I, and I, I don't know if I finished the thought on Troy, but he's like, I, 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 this has to, it has to drop off at some point. And there are dips along the way year to year, but the overall numbers and viewers and eyeballs and different nights and, and you know, meaning Amazon is in now and you've got streaming. Uh, a game on Peacock has an incredible rating. I mean, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So can it get bigger? I Until proven otherwise, I'll say yes. And it's it's just remarkable, you know, comparing the NFL to anything else that's on television. Anything. What's your advice for Tom Brady? By all accounts, he's going to do the games, and we know he's going to work hard. Is there any tips you can give a guy? Like, does he just have to do it? He's got to do it. Um, I, I think the main if, – if he were my best friend, and, and I don't know him well. I've always really enjoyed being around him and talking to him and, and getting ready for games when he's been the quarterback. He's been very open and very honest, and I, 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 that would be my advice. Be open, honest, be fun. Don't get caught up in statistics. Don't get caught up in research. You know, people want to hear what the greatest to ever do it has to say during the course of a game. Even more than in a pregame show, I think it's it's great that he wants to do it. But like you said, you there's no book that you read, there's no film study that prepares you for okay, pass to whatever Smith out of bounds at the forty three. It's going to be second and four. Okay, go. What do you got? And and you've got to think about. You've got to prepare. You get to prepare your mind each play to go, what am I looking at, and how am I going to, in the next 20 seconds, make a smart point about what we're all watching. So it's, it's like my dad with Kelly Chase, and I've told this story a thousand times, but my dad was friends with Kelly, and Kelly had him up in the broadcast booth when he started with the Blues, and Kelly's like, look, Jack, here's all the research I've done, I've got stories on every guy, and my dad took his Kelly's research and threw it out of the booth. And he said, you know, you know the game. You've been watching it and playing it your whole life. Watch it and describe what you see to the listeners. The rest of this stuff doesn't matter. And, and there's, there's a lot of truth in that. All the research, all the film, that's all past. It's already happened. What are we seeing right now? And, and for a guy that's as analytic uh, and, and as, as smart as Brady, you know, that's where that's where the magic can happen. So I, I, I think that's what I would tell him to concentrate on. I thought maybe your dad was offended at Kelly's grammar and just said, look at this garbage, get this now. No, no. <laughs> he loves, loves Kelly. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's – I think he did him a favor. And, and I'm – you know, I don't know the next game if, if Kelly did the same stuff and just didn't invite my dad back to the booth. And, and and relied on that stuff, but I don't think so. I think the point was made that, you know, be you. I think when you start reading and and doing all the research and burying yourself in numbers and anecdotes, you're losing part of you, and it's you that they hired, so be you. 
It's kind of, it's kind of a weird deal though with Greg Olson, who is largely popular or well regarded critics. I think he might. Did he win a sports Emmy one of these years recently? Or I think last like in a like in a newcomer category. Okay, like the the best newcomer to media or something. Seems like he's he was a, very deserving of. He yeah. was fantastic, and and so that makes it harder on on Tom right out of the gate um, because you're replacing somebody. You know, nobody had the career of Tom Brady, but you know, every, everybody seems or most seem to really enjoy, myself included, Greg doing games. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter once it once Tom starts, it's all going to be on him, on him and Kevin, their production group to make it great. I think we're all smart enough to know that Tom, if he puts his mind to something, is probably going to be great at it. But it's a new job, and there's there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and, and there's, there's a rhythm that you have to find with the guy you're working with and, and just for yourself alone, like what, what fits, what doesn't, what is everything, what am I, what kind of points should I make? Where do I look in the camera? I mean, he's been around it, but now it's, it's not somebody interviewing him. He's got to be a self-starter on all that stuff. And, and that's where a lot of, a lot of people that I think that have gotten into broadcasting as great athletes aren't used to they're 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 wonderful when they're being asked questions but now nobody's asking them a question it's it's you igniting what you want to talk about and that's where it gets a, a little it, it gets a little tricky burkhart uh, burkhart was on the show maybe last week or the week before he was talking about the super bowl and he said the game is fine he said it's the build-up and all that he said that, that goes into it how about for you during the week it's pretty time-consuming. Like we see the game. Hey, there's Joe. There's Troy. Oh, look, they're wearing turtlenecks. They're wearing tie. Like <laughs> by the time you yeah. get to that moment, and we can pick every little thing apart, but it, people don't realize it's it's Monday. It's Tuesday. It's production meetings. It's studying, and you basically are like a kid again with homework every week, right? Where you're just you got to know every little new stat, and and and, and that's part of what Brady is embracing. Yeah. But uh, do you enjoy that part of it? I, I think it's. Yes and no. Um, in in that you need to know every little every little thing. I, I having done six uh, Super Bowls, you, I, the first couple, I was trying to gather every ounce of every bit of information that was out there. You got two weeks to compile this stuff after the champ games, and I, by the by the fifth or sixth, maybe even the fourth. I, I kind of relegated myself to, unless it's a national story, and this was at a time when, like, the USA Today was was still, you know, the heavy, everyday paper nationally in the country. And my point was, unless I see it in the USA Today and it's making national headlines, I, I'm okay in that in-between week to just let it go because you start writing and compiling and putting note after note and story after story, and eventually – you're missing the forest through the trees. It's it, now it's it's Patrick Mahomes uh, against a, a good San Francisco defense. It's Brock Purdy against a surging Kansas City defense, and then you flip it the other way. Got it. But you you can't overdo it. You have to fight the urge to not just dive down into the well of information because it just becomes overwhelming. And, and you know that 100 million people are on the other side of it. And you feel like you have to do more. But you really don't. In some ways, you could do less and get away with it. 
and just hit the bright spots because it's it's a game for the for the masses. It's not just for the hardcore football fans. So, I mean, I you know you could do a seminar on this stuff, but I when when Kevin did it last year, I, I talked to him a little bit about that. But until you do it and experience it yourself, uh, you, you don't really know until you know. Do your kids watch football? Will they be wearing? Are they running around Chiefs gear? It's kind of taken over this town. Are, are they into it? It's, it's pretty. It's surprised me how much it's taken over St. Louis, but it has. My my son Blake is a Chiefs fan, so uh, he's a Chiefs fan. But he met George Kittle, so he's a little torn. Um, Wyatt couldn't care less about any of it, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Blake is a is a Chiefs fan but likes an individual on the 49ers, so we'll see. Um, he has not, as a five-year-old, accumulated a lot of money with which to bet. So uh, he will just just kind of watch, I assume, with the rest of us. And I guess either way, he walks away happy because either Kittle's happy at the end or the Chiefs are happy, and therefore he is too. It's really sad that in this day and age, five-year-olds aren't laying laying the wood yet, making those bets. You know, I think yeah, he's a little I mean, behind. I he's I don't want to say he's slow, but he's a little behind the other kids. I think if he's not gambling already, if he doesn't have an account, yeah, yeah, he's got an offshore <laughs> account that I think he's been uh, managing to to try to keep it away from my eyes. Well, Joe, so much fun having you on the show. Thanks for your time, as always. Congrats on the St. Louis Media Hall of Fame honor that went down recently. Just add it to the list, and uh, always great when you're on. Thanks, Martin. Brendan Weesey, sports director, KTRS alongside, helped me out early, gave me the assist on the Adam Wainwright being part of the Worldwide Technology Raceway music event with Ludacris and Adam Wainwright. You know, the, the tie-in there, I guess, is Ludacris is from Atlanta, Wainwright oh, yeah. is kind of from that area. Well, he is from that area. It was in the Brave system. Do you think they nobody's connected those dots? I don't right. think. I, they're and, unrelated. And, and we don't think they're going to collaborate on anything. I don't see that happening. I'm not, it's but, not hey, impossible. You, know, hey, you never know. I'm, I'm I rule nothing out. Was that little Nas that had the big rap country crossover hit a with couple the Cyrus, of summers with ago? Billy Ray, maybe? maybe? Yeah, Old Town Road. Old Town Road, yeah. But, this is I think I was talking to my kids. We were in Boston, Stanley Cup, one of the games, and they cut to the suites during the Jumbotron, the commercial break. They cut to the and he waves, and it says Lil Nas X. And I said to the kids, oh, uh, Lily Nas is here or something. Like, I totally just hammered it. And they're like, how do you get that wrong? Old Town Road. I said, what? They go, that's like the biggest hit right now. Old Oh, with Billy Ray Cyrus. Was Billy Ray on there? Yeah, am I getting that I wrong? Don't no, no, I'm pretty it sure. Could have been, yeah. No, that was those were the two. Okay. Um, this is what happens when there's no games going on. We start <laughs> falling down a <laughs> rabbit hole about Lil Nas X and Lord Billy Ray. Um, I I was thinking on Monday for Mizzou fans. What a day! You got that donation. We talked about the 62 million anonymous donor. It had a little bit of shelf life online for a minute that it was cronky, right? right. No, okay. He doesn't give things away. Okay, he's, he's not, not a giving yes, person. I I could be wrong, but I would be a thousand percent shocked if that were him. But Mizzou fan, who cares? It's sixty-two million, and you're going to get football. You're going to get NIL money, and then K State beat Kansas. I'm like, it was the perfect day. But here's the stat, and I'm sure you saw it. But the coach at K State, Jerome Tang, is eleven and zero in overtime. 
I, that un- I did see that. Isn't yeah. that unbelievable? Yeah. Like if you're a coach, going back to last year. Yeah, yep. and, yeah. Now I think they've won six this year, but he's eleven yep. and zero, head coach there at K State, in overtime. And I would think, as a coach, it's a bit of a roll of the dice. If you're around five hundred, in overtime, that's probably fine. Eleven and zero. That's that's significant. So Kansas goes down. Mizzou gets a big donation. Big day for the Tiger faithful. Another second-year coach in Jerome Tang. Granted, he had much more success than Mizzou did last year. Took Kansas State. Uh, I rode that. That was my big March winner last year. Was Kansas State and their little point guard who took over Madison Square Garden. But they had more success than Mizzou did. But here's another second-year coach that's having a lot more success than Dennis Gates is currently at the University of Missouri. Ben was shocked on Sunday when I. I finally said that's it. I, I've I've kind of given up on the 2024 Tigers. It took me a long time. Oh, not for to sure. say. Holy, you shocked that you gave up? Yes, I mean, yeah, you know, faux shocked. I but, probably gave up a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, and 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 not that I thought they could still make the NCAA tournament, but just so frustrated that this is is a lost season. And there's at this point, what what positive can we possibly take from this? Outside, do we? Can we honestly think this team's going to flip a switch in the next few weeks and play well leading into the conference tournament? They've, again, they've hung with teams. They play them tight. It's not like they get blown out consistently, but I just can't draw any more positives from this team. Ben was Ben was pretty floored by that. At least in pro sports, you can start to tank and go, oh, well, let's get a yeah, better yeah, exactly. a better pick. You know, Keep losing, folks. Can't Don't do that. At this point, keep losing. Uh, how about the Winter Classic? That's fun, and I forgot in thinking about this. Yes, the Blues hosted with the Blackhawks 2017, but they just played in it in Minnesota. Yeah. So the Blues are in a fairly regular rotation here. What was the Minnesota game? Maybe twenty-one. Maybe maybe it was twenty-two. Bang, it even? was banged for the for COVID, right? And they had to do it the next year. So I want to say might it was have been like twenty-two. Maybe. Only a couple of years ago. Remember they wore like the beach outfits mm-hmm. and all of that. So Blues are pretty regular on that routine. I love the Winter Classic. Love the visual. Fact that it's going back to Wrigley. They had it in 09. It's it's a great Blues Blackhawks. That that feels like a winter classic game to me. It does, and to have it at Wrigley, where they've they've been open to having outside the box events. Northwestern's played football there a couple of Grateful times. Grateful Dead, Jimmy Buffett, absolutely. So I think this is it's going to be a great environment. It will probably be frigid. Who knows? It might even actually snow on top of. The ice, which is a better look than say when you when when they've played these outdoor games. Maybe this isn't the Winter Classic; it's their other special outdoor game. Didn't they have it at Lake Tahoe or something where the yes. ice started to melt? It's like that's not the best look. Maybe make sure you have it in a an environment that is conducive to winter, where you're going to have cold temperatures. Might be the best idea. Well, they had the spinoff series because you had the Winter Classic, which we all understood was at a football or baseball stadium yeah. outdoors. And then they had the outdoor game or the stadium game. Stadium game. Yeah, stadium some series. kind of variation yeah. of the, like we had this great cool idea. Like, can we spin this off to Joni loves Chachi? I mean, <laughs> we had Happy Days going here. Can we can we try and force this down? <laughs> I think Trapper John might have been a mash spinoff going way back in the day. And again, I can now I'm going to spend my whole night. Going down the rabbit hole. I didn't hole. know Mash had a spinoff. Well, Trapper John, I don't know if that's a fair term, but Trapper John M.D. was from Mash. Was he from Mash? Okay, well, it was a the, the, the character 
was based on. It was a different actor, Pernell Roberts, for those remembering these things. Um, but I <laughs> I don't know if that would qualify as a spin. That's a good question. I'm going to have to... Like, did Cheers have a spinoff? Cheers had Frasier. Well, Frasier, yeah, that's the big spinoff. Okay, yeah, yeah. sorry. Jeez, that's an obvious one. Maybe <laughs> I should wrap it up. Uh, what's coming up on the Big Sports Show? We've got, uh, well, Ben's with me here live in mere moments, and uh, we're going to take a look at some projections, the Pakoda, the Fangraphs spinoff, the uh, projections for the 2024 Cardinals season. We'll uh, talk some soccer, Matt Baker, and the head coach of City 2, Bobby Murphy, with me, Soccer in the Lou, 8 o'clock tonight. Looking forward to that. Coming up on the program tomorrow, we'll talk Mizzou football with Howard Richards, also about that giant donation. Not from Howard, but from a, <laughs> I believe, well, did they even say an alum? Yeah, it was an alum, I believe. Howard Richards on the show. Also, our buddy Frank Bull, who is our Kansas City correspondent. You may not want to hear this, but I think Frank is thinking that Steve Spagnuolo should be a head coach again in the NFL. Oh, whoa, whoa. We'll get into all that on <laughs> Wednesday on the Kilcoin Conversation.